Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 69 for the week ending Monday, August 8th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugu. Thanks for listening in. Later on in today's episode, I'll be chatting with Babu Signoni, who is Digital Creative Group Head at MNC Saatchi Able. He's recently executed a successful AI-enabled consumer campaign for a global FMCG brand. I'll be talking to him about the rise of machine learning and AI in general, and I'll ask him to help us imagine what the world might look like when those technologies become as common as the flu. Before we get to that, we'll cover the week's news headlines, which include the Central Bank of Nigeria warning against the use of unregistered money remittance services, the African Business Angels Network, ABAN, amping up its efforts to promote angel investment culture on the continent, and the MTN Group reporting an after-tax loss of just over $400,000 in its mid-year financial report. That's all coming up, but do remember that if you've missed any of our past episodes, you can catch up anytime you like. Just click through to africantechroundup.com. Hearing from you is always a blast, so do keep those tweets coming at African Roundup or drop us a post on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. And if you'd like to contribute to the show, you can write us an email or send us an audio note via hello at africantechroundup.com. This episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by our Quick Chats podcast series, which features brief and sometimes not so brief conversations with leading pros working the trenches of Africa's tech scene. Think startup founders, VC players, and corporate movers and shakers who offer insights into what it's like to operate at the coalface of African innovation. Now to listen, simply head to our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com forward slash African Tech Roundup and click on the Quick Chats playlist. Now it's on to this week's news. First up, Africa's biggest mobile service provider, the MTN Group, released its interim financial results late last week for the period ending June 30th, 2016. Now, early in the week, they had issued investors a profit warning indicating that their numbers would be less than pretty. Now, you might be wondering just how bad they turned out to be. Well, despite revenue for the interim period improving by nearly 10 billion rand to 79.1 billion rand, or just over $5.7 billion, Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization dropped to around $1.7 billion, nearly half of what they made in 2015. Now, if you're an investor in the MTN Group, here are the numbers you really care about. In 2015, MTN reported a relatively modest after-tax profit of just over $868,000. This time, they've reported an after-tax loss of just over $401,000. That translates to a headline loss per share of nearly 20 cents, compared with 2015's headline earnings of just under 48 cents per share. Nevertheless, despite this, MTN has declared an interim ordinary dividend of 18 cents per share for the period ending 30 June 2016, which is payable to MTN shareholders. Now, MTN has been at pains to try and explain why their business, which up until the last couple of years could be counted on uh, to pretty much mint cash, why this cash cow has been humble to this extent. Now, they've put out a fairly long list of, well, I won't call them excuses. Let's call them explanations. So they put out these explanations um, saying why they are in the state they're in. Among them, they've cited the $1.67 billion uh, regulatory fine imposed by the Nigerian Communications Commission that they started paying towards. Uh, they've also cited the depreciation of the rand against the dollar, 
and other major currencies. Of course, the rand has only just started firming up. Quite notably, though, they pointed to what they're calling short-term losses sustained by digital businesses that they're heavily invested in, namely Middle East Internet Holdings and, of course, the recently rebranded Africa Internet Group, which now goes by Jumia. It's also worth mentioning that MTN's subscriber base in its two largest markets, Nigeria and South Africa, is down by 3.7% and 2.6% respectively. Now, MTN says that their performance in Nigeria was compromised by the disconnection of subscribers, as well as the suspension of regulatory services until May 2016. While in South Africa, they say they've suffered network outages, as well as uh, severe competition and lower consumer spending in that country. Now, one thing is certain, though, uh, MTN's group president and CEO in waiting, Rob Shooter, will certainly have his work cut out for him when he takes up the reins from Putumanklego come July 2017. But moving on now, a new report entitled Breaking Down Barriers released by the World Bank Group and the African Competition Forum has found that a lack of competitiveness in Africa's markets and rules that stifle competition are slowing down the growth of telecommunications on the continent. Now, the report identifies cartels and anti-competitive business practices as the main factors stifling growth in the industry causing an increase in prices for both mobile and internet connections. Now, according to the report, sub-Saharan African countries had the highest retail prices for mobile broadband services in the world as of 2015. And internet use in that region is second lowest overall. The report says that African mobile and wireless markets are highly monopolized. Apparently, 27 countries have a single telco player that owns more than 50% of market share in each country. Turns out there are 11 operators on the continent offering international gateway services and only six offering WiMAX wireless internet services. Those are sobering facts, to be sure. To news from further afield now, the largest electronics showcase in the world, the Consumer Electronics Show, hosted in Las Vegas, has announced that for the first time in 2017, they'll be featuring an exclusive showcase of the most innovative and cutting-edge tech from the African continent. Now, something they're dubbing the Africa Tech Now Village will be a joint effort between CES and Venture Capital for Africa, VC4A. The plan is to provide a global stage for African startups to demonstrate their technology products and services at the Las Vegas Convention Center during CES 2017, which goes down on January 5th to January 8th. So heads up if you're a startup founder keen on featuring your business at CES 2017. To register, your startup must be a registered company that's no older than three years. So you need to have a product, service, or app that's deemed a groundbreaking innovation by the selection judges. And your startup must also be targeted at consumers, so not business uh, or enterprise plays. Uh, Special consideration will be given to technology that promotes sustainability and inclusion. And solutions in the fields of transport and tourism will also be given preference. Also worth looking forward to is a forum that uh, is set to discuss the state of Africa's tech ecosystem at CES. Big up to friend of the show, Ben White and his team at VC for Africa for setting all this up. Uh, We certainly look forward to big things coming of it. Now, in more encouraging news that's set to positively impact Africa's tech ecosystem at the grassroots level, ABAN, the African Business Angels Network, is intensifying its efforts to promote angel investment culture on the continent. Now, on Thursday, August 11th, 2016, they'll be kicking off a series of angel investor masterclasses at Best Western Premier Nairobi, 
which will run from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Now, the series is aimed at facilitating interactions between aspiring angel investors, more experienced angel investors, promising high potential entrepreneurs and other relevant stakeholders in the ecosystem. And that includes everybody from NGOs to government institutions and academics. Now, for the second year running, serial entrepreneur, angel investor and president emeritus of the European Business Angel Network, Bridget Bauman, will be hosting the Nairobi edition of ABAN's Angel Investor Masterclass. Now, Bridget is also the founder and CEO of Go Beyond Early Stage Investing, as well as the chairperson of the global angel investing group, YPO. Now, this year, Nairobi can also look forward to benefiting from the insights of Jasper Grosskirth. Uh, he'll be providing insights into the state of play in early stage high growth ventures and the activity of early stage investors in Africa. Now, he's, of course, the MD of Research Solutions Africa, as well as a board member of VC for Africa. Now, please note, this event is for investors only, and there are limited seats. So if you're interested in finding out more uh, and certainly attending, you can contact the team on the ground in Nairobi um, on the email address kezia at victoria.co.ke. That's K-E-Z-I-A-H at V-I-K-T-O-R-I-A dot C-O dot K-E. Don't sleep on this, Kenya. Stay woke. <laughs> now, staying with news out of Kenya, the Kenyan innovation space, IHUB, and the Danish Refugee Council have partnered to train refugees in the Dadaab refugee camp on mobile applications. Now, this comes in the wake of Kenya's plans to close the camp and send refugees back to Somalia. Now, Dadaab hosts over 320,000 refugees, and that makes it the largest refugee camp in the world. And it said that the first phase of this program will involve training just 90 refugees on Android programming with a focus on theoretical and practical aspects of Android specifically. At the end of the course, the students will create their own applications, which can serve as a basis for future projects. The four-month program has already begun, and the trainees will be taught the basics of the Android ecosystem, how to develop apps for smart devices, development and business opportunities for mobile platforms, as well as creating simple applications, distribution, and monetization of Android apps. To Nigeria next, where that country's central bank has passed a regulation that blocks all but three mobile transfer operators from making transfers into the country. Now, the central bank has said that they'll only be allowing mobile transfer operators with a net asset value of one billion U.S. dollars and an operational track record of at least 10 years to carry out transfers. So, so far, the lucky three are Western Union, MoneyGram and RIA. So after this was announced, World Remit uh, released a statement for the CBN to rethink their stance. Uh, the company CEO, Ishmael Ahmed, called the move arbitrary, inexplicable, and hugely detrimental to the Nigerian diaspora, who rely on hundreds of money transfer companies and banks to send money home. Now, Nigeria receives more than 20 billion U.S. dollars in remittances annually from migrants around the world. I figure that this development is basically tantamount to issuing a notice that says no to any startups, even thinking about uh, jumping into the service. What it also does is forces smaller, younger players to partner with incumbents if they hope to survive. Uh, what I also think might happen is this may very well catalyze the growth of the Forex black market. It remains to be seen how seriously this directive is going to be taken and indeed how it affects Nigerians living in the diaspora. We'll certainly be keeping a close eye on this one. Finally, the Electoral Commission of South Africa, the IEC, successfully concluded the administration of that country's local municipal elections on the weekend. 
This year, the IEC partnered with Accenture Digital to experiment with a mobile app that was aimed at engaging and educating voters in the run-up to the polls that, of course, happened last week. Now, among other things, the app allowed users to receive election results, check registration details, uh, as well as find voting stations in their area. And in addition to this, the IEC released a 3D game called IXA to introduce young voters to the electoral process. In the game, users could create their own characters and explore their environment while learning about the voting process. Now, the IEC is no doubt focusing on younger voters, as this year, 2% of registered voters in South Africa were either 18 or 19 years old. I see hope that the app and the game would get youngsters engaged in the voting process, particularly for the municipal poll, where voter turnout is typically far lower than that of the presidential election. So now, in due course, the IEC will be putting out uh, detailed statistics about the profile of the voters that did turn out. We'll be interested to see, in terms of the profile, who actually came to cast their vote and whether or not the app and indeed the game had any impact on the specific demographic they were targeting. And those are the week's headlines, folks. Now, as promised, I'm going to play you a clip from a chat I had with a Cape Town-based Zimbabwean named Babusi Nyoni. Now, Babusi is the digital creative group head at South Africa's number one ranked through-the-line agency, MNC Saatchi Abel. I caught up with Babusi to hear about an AI-enabled campaign he recently masterminded and executed for a global FMCG brand. We then chatted about the rise of machine learning and AI in general before I asked him to give me a sense of what he thinks the world might look and feel like when those technologies become commonplace. Take a listen. You've been dabbling with AI. Tell me about the stuff you've been doing in that space. Which aspects of what you already knew uh, or, or your, your skill set in the digital space you leveraged to make that leap? Um, so for me... AI essentially is an extension of design. Um, I, I focus a lot on design. It could be design of like words or pictures, but AI in in the data space, that's so for me, it's the design of data, like what you do with it and um, what poetry you write with a set of values. So I, I started getting excited with um, AI when I saw the possibilities of what we could achieve, um, yeah, silly enough on like social media if you could have like bots that for example interact with consumers and and serve them back like very specific things that felt tailored to them even though um the bot itself was written um to react to those and um i did something recently for an alcohol brand which was around the uefa champions league final and this was a bot that interacted with consumers and allowed them to have soccer banter while they watched the UEFA Champions League final. And it felt authentic. Of course, we had the disclaimer that this is actually not really a person, but it felt authentic to the consumer. And it was also very pleasing for them to have real-time responses from a world-class brand. Did this interest grow organically or do we have your working for a, a rather reputable agency to thank for you know the direction you took with that? Um, I would say it's it's yeah almost equal parts mm. um i'm by nature very very curious so i'm always looking for um what's the new new and also at the agency i work at right now we push a lot of um remarkable thinking we we don't play it safe at all so i guess working in the space that nurtures that nature of thinking it helped in in a part um in my gravitation towards artificial intelligence 
I suppose neither you or I are qualified to have like these super PhD level debates <laughs> about AI. Yes. But I do think uh, it does make for an interesting discussion nonetheless, because ultimately we're the type of folks, the ordinary everyday type folks, yes, um, yes. AI is is poised to sort of either add value to or you know basically change our lives forever in your view like what where is it all going um and let let me put to you some a few things that that are sort of topical at the moment uh you've right. got our banks in in south africa who are all scrambling to to figure out ways to harness ai i mean we've seen press releases of bank x bank y saying hey we've got some ai like yeah. running you know helping our clients and that kind of thing so you've got the, these hype heavy applications that we're seeing in that space then on the other end of the spectrum you've got elon musk and his yeah. and his tesla company his ambitions, yes. and his ambitions to sort of you know change the world as we know it like where do you see things going say in the next five years in terms of how ai might be a part of our everyday life all right. Um, so like I said earlier, my perception of AI is that it is data designed. And the thing with design is good design is invisible. The moment you notice that it is present, then it wasn't really designed well. So um, if I look at AI, I think, you know, when people start using Photoshop and they just start like putting like drop shadows and everything, put like all these effects and it's <laughs> yeah. very shouty, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, when they hone these skills, they get to a level where you don't notice the process that went behind the art. And AI will get to this point where it will seamlessly integrate to our everyday lives without people noticing it. And that's, that's where I'm placing my faith in. I know we're going to get to that point in AI where we don't have to be shouting about um, oh, this will do this if you do that, where you're living your life and you don't really notice that there's all these processes that are automating and streamlining your very existence for you behind the scenes. So in some respects, I mean, in terms of brands latching on to this trend, we should start to see it trending organically on Twitter or other places where conversations happen, as opposed to the brands themselves going to market with, hey, we're using AI. Yes, yes, yes. You know, that, yeah. is, that, is that basically what you're saying? My perception of it is that Right now, while brands will tell you that they've got a, a chat bot that can give you the FAQs and if all you have to do is like tweet a hashtag, um, what will happen, because currently we're tapping into an existing behavior, which is like conversation and stuff for that specific um, execution of AI, what will happen is in future, you won't think of the platform. You won't think of the fact that this is a chat bot. What you will see is this is what I want and this is how I am getting it. Right, right. It's just going to be like the seamless exactly. interaction you're having with what might feel like a human being but probably won't be. Exactly. So, okay, so let's talk about like some of the more sinister aspects of AI as a concept, as this broader concept, yeah. um, a la Isaac Asimov, you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite interesting that Elon Musk, uh, you know, who has amazing... Africans and, and, and people around the world doing interesting things around AI, um, perhaps less, less glamorous than trying to get cars to drive themselves. Yeah. But um, I think he's just a, a, a sort of top line example of how life-changing, potentially yeah. life-changing applications of AI might be. It's yeah. interesting to me that he's constantly quoted as, as being in equal parts excited about the trend, but also worried about what, what it might be. What are some of the more concerning issues having worked on something even perhaps as uh, consumer focused as a, a UEFA campaign? 
um, that you've identified or you might start to worry about now that you've sort of dabbled with the power of AI? So with AI, there's, I would say there's like three levels to it. So you have like the most basic form of AI, which is you, um, you teach something like a specific set of values and it recognizes those. And then you get to like a more like intermediate level where you have this application that knows these values and also knows how to react to them. It might get a little deeper with like machine learning where it will then extrapolate beyond what you've taught it initially, right? And then you have um, a much, much deeper level of AI, which is like actual artificial intelligence where you have a totally autonomous um, application that believes in its own sentience. That's where it gets scary. We are a couple of years away, actually, I would say decades away from actually reaching a point where we have a piece of software. I hope I don't get quoted for saying this. We <laughs> well, you are on digital. Through. You are on digital tape, sir. <laughs> so if it happens next year, we'll be like, ah, this guy. <laughs> yeah, he was so but, off the mark. No, but, but it's yeah. also it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's quite interesting how I, I think maybe the the um, uh, d digital publishing, as it were, digital media allows us to sort of um, be okay with um, just sharing our views. And if they're wrong, yeah. they're wrong. We don't mind. <laughs> we, heck, we'll use the sound clip uh, and have you back on the show and, and <laughs> you know, to correct it, you know, no problem. That's my actual strategy. I'm just going to make all these predictions and you bring it back to the studio. And see what sticks and see what sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. so we're actually, we're, we're quite far from um, from the public's idea of what artificial intelligence is what we have right now is just a few variations of um, machine learning and just space for it right now at the same time um, looking over and health are the most important and I know there's so much that we can do with artificial intelligence and automation in that space you won't see it definitely on a billboard or as an ad but um, it will definitely improve the lives of millions of people across the continent what are you planning to do next uh, what skill set within the sort of digital you know, tech space, are you interested in, in picking up and dabbling with Nick? So um, I'm looking into machine learning now, which um, which sounds very similar to AI, but actually is, it's a much deeper understanding of AI and is, um, is a more applicable medium. So outside of just teaching um, a piece of software to react to X, you are relinquishing the, the hands-on direction that you would in, in traditional AI and allowing the application to, to make decisions on its own based on previous conditions. It sounds very similar to having a tutorial, but actually at this point it's teaching itself um, over and over and over again. So that's what I'm trying to get into now. That's where there's um, lots of room to play in for, for brands that care about the communities in which they, they thrive. Many, many thanks to Babu Signoni of MNC Saatchi Abel. If you'd like to follow his adventures and exploits, do visit his website. It's babusignoni.com. And do follow him on Twitter at babusignoni. But either way, do let us know what you make of this whole trend towards the proliferation of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Does it scare you? Does it excite you? Or are you indifferent? Tell us what you think on Twitter at African Roundup, via a post on Facebook at facebook.com African Tech Roundup, or drop us an email or voice note via hello at africantechroundup.com. Once again, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by our Quick Chats podcast series, which features brief and some not-so-brief conversations with leading pros working the trenches of Africa's tech and innovation scene. 
Think startup founders, VC players, and corporate movers and shakers who offer insights into what it's like to operate at the coalface of African innovation. They're all waiting for you to discover on our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com forward slash africantechroundup.com. Just click on the Quick Chats playlist when you get there. And that's it for this week. Do catch the show again next week, Monday, on africantechroundup.com. It drops at 9 a.m. Central African time. Until then, it's Andile Masugu signing off. Do take care, Africa.